I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Every one of them brought us up. This is Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner GAA podcast. Hello there and welcome to Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner's GAA Championship podcast. Well, on the programme today, we look back on the Munster Senior Hurling Championship as Cork and Clare book their place in next month's final. Well, then we hear from John Divley about Galway's gut check in the Connacht Decider. Our first port of call, though, is to Ennis and to the action in Cusick Park. May not have been the prettiest affair, but it was some emotional day in that famous old Clare ground. Kieran Shannon was there for us. Not the prettiest of games, Kieran, but uh, I don't think you'll find too many people in County Clare complaining on this Monday morning. No, uh, Colin, like it, it was a brilliant occasion for, like the, let's put it this way, the atmosphere or the occasion you know, it was better than the match. Um, the, the match itself ended up in an anti-climax. The, the, the build-up to it was, like I mentioned in the piece today, that because you had neighbour against neighbour. Um, again, as, as I was saying, it's a fixture we haven't seen uh, since 1993, and you know, it was in the pre-Man years. So the atmosphere yesterday was electric, but as you said, the game itself was an anti-climax because Limerick were flat. How much of a factor was the three weeks in a row? A big one, I would imagine. But by the same token, I think it was going to be Clare's day. Like they do have a, in, in the championship supplement we did preview, we were pointing out that Clare have the best home record in hurling, and uh, they've they've underlined that in the, in this month. They've won, they've won both games by nine points, and. As you say, the Clare support column they really reconnected with this team, which in a way maybe they haven't had since the since basically they relinquished their all out in twenty fourteen when they lost to Wexford. Uh, this team is back and they're back with uh, with the support of the public behind them. Has this new Monster Championship been an unqualified success as far as you're concerned? Oh, it's been it's been a huge success. Um, like I, I, I wrote a piece just a week. Before it started, and it, because there were some skeptics still about it, um, uh, Richie Power was quite critical of it. Um, it was, and the way I put it was the the actual format is excellent, but the the schedule is is off both in terms of pre- 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 predominantly in what what has come to pass, like Kevin Martin in Leinster in the Leinster Championship um, preview at, at 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 the launch of that championship uh, was pointing out that you know he was flagging that actually we're going to be out four weeks in a row and how challenging that was going to be and it was seen that you know it was it was painted in terms of that uh, martin slams uh, new championship when his his um his his ex- the views he gave that day were only were consistent with what he said in october which was look this will be great playing the best teams in leinster and the best teams in the country like kilkenny and Galway, but by the way, the, the scheduling, and, and that's come to pass even in Munster, which has been a, a rollicking championship. And as I said, there's, there's a, it's a shame that we weren't having this game for years. Um, 
thinking of you know the amount of players that only would have played one championship game through the years but uh, this has been brilliant for that but it does need tweaking um, whereby it is too much for teams to be playing three games in three weeks and in some cases four games in four weeks but I think so the, it needs the, tweaking the, the word there though Kieran, is tweaking it isn't an overhaul it's, it's, a, it's a very simple fixtures rethink Exactly, Colin, because you take, we had, there was 19,000 at the, at the Clare Olympic game yesterday, and that was on the back of the momentum that basically the more hurling games there are, the more people will actually want to go to see the next game. Uh, whereas you would have had last year, there was only 19,000 in Turles when it, it was, as it turned out, one of only two games limited played. So, Yes, the, the attendance, Sean O'Halpin was making this argument that, you know, he preferred it when it was eggs in one basket, um, you know, that as a standalone game and, you know, pre-backdoor and then even when the backdoor came in, it was a, it was a, it was an apple game within Munster where let's say you might get, you know, 40,000 added under this format. Like we've had Cork Limerick, which was, was 35,000 in the park that Saturday night, which is the biggest Cork Limerick crowd there's been definitely outside of a Munster final. So, um, the thing is, people want to see more games. So, like, I mean, it's been a, a huge success that way, and we're getting to see we're getting to see better hurling. And Clare are a team that are benefiting from it because last year they would have had a ten week layoff going into the Limerick game uh, as the Munster semi final, and then there was a five week gap going into the Munster final, and you could see that it was just too staccato for them. Like it was just uh, like Shane O'Donnell gave an interesting comments after the game where he spoke about how he what he loved about this format is that you're not dwelling over dwelling on the one game and you know, it's it's week in, week out, whereas there was paralysis by analysis in Claire Hurling and Hurling in general because you had too much time to think about it. I mean, I interviewed Brendan Bugler at the weekend and he was echoing comments that Colin Ryan gave last year, which was they hated ten week left between league and championship. They liked the league because it was it was regular games and you know, Bugler was saying uh, you know, he would love to be playing in this championship and you can see the likes of Tony Kelly and the Claire Hurlers uh, that they're their, their flair players are, are just thriving on playing week in, week out without having to think, overthink it, you know, which you can get when there's a four-week gap between games. Had we in the media talked up Limerick a bit too much in advance of this game? Yeah, I mean, my, my own theory on Limerick was always, I remember writing when Waterford came out in 2015, you know, won the league through 1B, blazed through that league and beat Cork again in the first round. I remember writing, See, they, they, they can't come out of nowhere, can they? Like, it just isn't done. And it just isn't done. And because people were beginning to think in terms of Limerick that way. And I, I do think that you, you, you really don't get a team that goes from, let's say, number seven or eight to number one. It just doesn't happen. There's a rites of passage that you have to go through. So I've always said that, that Limerick are maybe possibly a bit like Donegal. They're in the Donegal 2011 players um, at the moment rather than Donegal and who progressed to Donegal 2012 you know you don't do that and I think as much as you'd say in a bit that long term it's maybe no harm for Limerick they have missed out on a monster final and they you know the core of this team it has put them more back than I would have thought because you know they they haven't been in a monster final since 2014 you know in semi-final 2014 they're still five, four or five of the starters from that team that are still key players now but 
you know, the, the, the core of the team, I, I do think they would have thrived on playing in front of 50,000 against Cork. Um, so, you know, there, there's still potential out in the semi-finals, but I, I think it was always going to be a stretch for them, and I do think this has put them back, even if they do win the quarter-final. Very quick one, uh, just in terms of Limerick. Do they have an issue with discipline? We had a red card for Tom Condon yesterday and, and definitely no doubts on that and a fortnight ago Aaron Gillan as well too received a red card and again no doubts about that in the draw against Cork well it's something they're going to have to address you know as, as, like, they now have time to to, ref, to reflect on the championship as a whole and as you say Colin that's a bit of a trend um, so that that's something that they will have to like it, it was totally unnecessary yesterday David Reedy was very unlucky to, to follow Tom Pendon but that is something that uh, you know, that they will that they will have to address. But I I, do, I don't to be they are sort of outlier uh, examples. It's not like oh there's a red card coming and there's four or five incidents and someone was always going to get the line. It was it was sort of an isolated incident. So I wouldn't say that in discipline is is mm. is, is recontrolled Limerick hurling. But as you say, big incidents turn such incidents turn matters. And so that that is that I'd imagine Kylie will be hammering home to them and um, you know that that could cost um, beyond the suspension that could cost Condon who, who only came on as a sub yesterday anyway um, that, that you know he, he, he could struggle for game time for the rest of his campaign Just in terms of tactics Kieran, did, did Limerick look at a, a sweeper system in, in the second half because of the damage that John Condon was doing? Well definitely the um, going down to 14 men there was a minute where you thought it was going to be 15-14 for Clare because there was about a minute before the referee showed the red cards to Cannon and then Reedy and then Reedy was off but as it turned out it almost felt like 15-14 that, that what, the scenario that we thought for that minute actually transpired because Clare definitely used the definitely used the the, um, the extra man at the back better because Jamie Shanahan was excellent in that free role his distribution was excellent and Claire, I think Anthony Daly was making the point in our paper today that the way Claire played against the wind and used the ball in the second half was exceptional. I, I do think between the legs, it nearly seemed like Limerick did pull up, and um, then again, like they did against Waterford, Claire's were buzzing from. I think you know Donald Maloney referenced it there that this team, he basically said, like after Turles, it's like the shackles are off. It was such a like. Like for four years, this team has been stuttering, and they now have found their flow, and they had they had the crowd behind them. And whereas Limerick, um, I think Limerick were very reliant on the extra space. I think um, actually between the, the you know the the leggy nature they would have had from the schedule they've had uh, impacted upon them. But I think Clare are definitely tactically have, have evolved from last year, and they're not a straight jacketed. You would have just felt in recent years that players have been they almost feel like they've been playing like with a joystick by joystick whereas this year there's a structure but there's also a lot of attitude there and like some of the interlink play Tony Kelly had a very quiet first half you wouldn't have known he was playing early but the way he thundered into the game at the start of the second half he had two points within two minutes and was involved in a lot of link up play and the way some of the offload between himself and Gavin and even Padge, the way they were linking up. But Peter Duggan is growing both from, from the freeze and from play. He's rifling over a few too. And, you know, there's more in this Clare team because like you're looking at something like Conor McGrath coming in with five minutes to go and you're thinking, you know, he would have been, 
you know, they're, they're, I was their best forward for a couple of years there, the 13 to 15 period. You know, he, he's a pro player and a talented player who'll be champing to get his place for the Munster final. So they've added, I think, I think Clare and Nurley, you could say, are one of the teams that Nurley won the league because they won their first three games. Okay, they lost a couple, but they were very competitive in all of them. And what they found was they they found a stable team. There's another, like uh, Brendan Bugler was making the point that last year in 2017, the lads were rotating the goalie, and that's very difficult for the backs outside to develop a trust and a relationship when the goalie is interchanging just to have that understanding that link and that trust and Clare now have that there's a stability about their selection consistency in their selection and there's a there's a telepathy developing there between a lot of those players and you know I, this will suit them going into the Munster final it's only a two week wait as opposed to last year's five week wait and uh, they're going to be very dangerous opponents for Cork Okay, mention of Cork there now obviously you weren't in Thurles for their game against Waterford yesterday but Cork's passage to this Munster final, it was all flash last season. More functional this season? Sorry, Colm? I was saying that Cork's progression to this Munster final was very much uh, all flash in 2017. More functional in 2018? Possibly, but like, they're still racking up scores and like I suppose last year was more dramatic in that just they were they were ranked the fifth team in Munster because that's what they pretty much were the previous year in 2016 um, so each year each game they entered as underdogs um, particularly obviously the, the Limerick and Waterford games or sorry the, the, the Tipperary and Waterford games last year but the, this year like you have to say that there's a consistency about them you know, I think uh, Anthony was making the point. Like, the, you know, you have, you have to say that there, there's only one game they've lost in championship. Now that the, you know they've had eight championship games and they've only lost one of them, and that was obviously Hinge turned on Damien Cahillan sending off. So, you know, the, you could argue that there's yeah, there maybe I wouldn't say functional because there's just um, I think Ender put it very well that you know that that they're the easiest team to watch and they're also maybe the easiest team to play against as in they're, they're more orthodox but they're they're not a, the, the surprise package there last year but that would suggest that they're just I would say more stability or they're, they're actually more reliable now that they would be functional as such but um, you know that I, as much as I think Enda's touched on it as much as there's those forwards and when and you know you've got to say again there's a consistency in selection now with Cork which you might have had for a few years players are making positions their own making that jersey their own um, the, uh, Claire would not fear them either um, and what, what would be an interesting dynamic I, I fancy Cork last year's Munster final as much as some people were still making the favourites in that I felt Claire hadn't brought an aggression to their game uh, they hadn't upped the, the work rate the way that Cork had in, demonstrated in, in the two opening games uh, in last year's Monster Championship along with the Cork crowd and when you just see a sea of red behind those goals like that that that, that and, and Cork and, and you know the minor team fed off that and then Cork had an early goal Alan Cannon in last year's Monster final like I, I clear would have been a bigger crowd I think they're very stunned by that game off the field in terms of uh, how they were outnumbered and also tactically how they let's just say paralysis by analysis and uh, how they did be with the Nash puck out they're not going to beat themselves this year there's going to be um, I think like 
the, it could be nearly like you're approaching back the nine years and, and when there was a clear army going thoroughless um, you know it's not going to be eight to one um, like it was last year and um, you know, also Clare have upped the work rate and uh, the aggression, uh, the way that Cork did last year, uh, significantly from the previous year. So it's going to be a humdinger. You know, like as close as that monster final was last year, it was only you know when Cahillan burst away and Cork ended up winning by five points in the final minutes. That was a close game, but still, you, Clare hadn't played particularly well. Uh, whereas I think we're in for a cracking monster final. We have the makings of a cock miner on that lad Kelly, Mick. What do you think? Huh? He has everything. He's too many notions. It's a fair weather hurler, no guts. It's on match of the day, ought to be. Did you see him out there today? Jesus Christ, Kelly, look at the stadium. We haven't been up training all week. What's gotten into you? Exams next week. I'm doing a lot of study. <laughs> That's not the story I hear. The other lads have exams too, it doesn't stop them coming up. Whatever about the training, there's always the match on Sunday. You'll be up for it, won't you? I don't know. There'll be county selectors there. If you play well, you'll make the minors you have it in you. If you make the county minors, you won't have to worry about exams. I've put young fellas through my hands. No education to speak of. They sailed into jobs in the bank. I want a bit more effort, lads. Now, we've the betons of this lot. With a bit more effort, we can bet them all the way back to Mitchellstown. But we must be merciless with them. Take no fucking prisoners! Oh. Excuse me, Father. If you make more space for instance, if you can take your guy out to the wing, right? And you play off him. There'll be more in your line to listen, Kelly. You think it was a camogie match the way you're playing? You're like a young one afraid of getting a ladder in a We're not getting any ball in the forward line. What are we supposed to do? We're losing that midfield. Shut up! I'm in charge here. And if you came up training, maybe you'd get more of the ball. Where is he? You can forget about him! You're only a scurrier! There'll be no job in the bank for you! Shut up! I'm going anyway! Okay, and our thanks to uh, Kieran Shannon for the uh, overview of the Munster Senior Hurling Championship. Now, we'll turn our attention to football. The first of the provincial football finals played over the weekend. Dr. Hyde Park hosted Galway versus Roscommon. Galway the favourites and uh, recorded victory 16 points to 2-6. But uh, John Divley, was it as straightforward and as easy as that scoreline suggests? Uh, a mixed bag, really, for Galway. Um I suppose, Colin, to be fair, um, first half, Galway uh, just had a lot of errors that you wouldn't expect them to have. And it was a combination of a little bit of nerves and obviously Roscommon thrown down the gauntlet to Galway and they got stuck into them. And Galway lost the ball, you know, nine or ten times very badly in the first half. And it just galvanised Roscommon and Roscommon very patient, used the ball well and took their scores well in the first half. And... Galway needed to obviously cut out the mistakes. Now, they still lost possession maybe nine or ten times in the second half as well, Galway, but Roscommon didn't punish them on the scoreboard, and that just allowed Galway then to, you know, I suppose, ease their way into the game, get a couple of scores, and then drive drive, drive it home, you know, in the last seven or eight minutes. Was that sluggish start down to uh, Galway, or was it uh, the tactical setup of Roscommon? They were both. I mean, to be fair, 
to Roscommon. They, they were well set up and they knew what goal we were going to bring to the table. And they had their homework done and um, on the Galway side, probably, you know, the Sligo game where they had so much time on the ball and everything seemed to work for them. You know, it was an up, it was up a notch. The intensity was up a notch and uh, any mistake that Galway made uh, was going to be scrutinised more and probably punished more than what Sligo did. So it took Galway just that little bit of time to come to grips with a, a higher intensity, you know, a division one side in effect, really, which is what Roscommon are. Um, and uh, But once they got to grips with it, you know, they, they really had the platform around the middle third. They had enough ball to win the game a lot more convincingly than they did, I felt, in the end. Yes, you know, it was obviously... You know, it was, the game was in the melting pot right up till the end. Okay, if you were a, a Roscommon supporter this morning, where would you say it was lost? You know, they're, they're shooting really let them down. You have to say they're shooting. I mean, just their shot execution. It was panic shots um, in the second half. And uh, like they stripped Galway very well of possession um, in the first 10 minutes of the second half. And, you know, up the field, drove up the field and um, just badly 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 taken shots really you know um, were they right to take the shots they probably were it's just a shot execution so they'll feel very disappointed in themselves that the finish line was there and they couldn't get it um, so I think that's where they'll feel most kind of hurt this morning that they didn't take their chances when they when they presented themselves the Galway formation approach has been criticised a lot so far this year won a lot of plaudits though for the way they set up then against uh, Sligo what was the the tactical layout on Sunday? yeah they, they, they you know they set back a little bit in the first half again um, and to, to really see, I suppose, what Roscommon could do against them and, and could they penetrate them and could they get in. And they showed at times that they could. So from a goalie point of view, you know, while we have the numbers back, you know, it was obvious to see from anyone that was there and I'm sure on television that they weren't pushing out on their men. And, you know, Inda Smith and Devaney and Brian Stack, you know, were getting... And Kilroy was obviously well, well dropped deep. They had so much time on the ball and they could just thread the passes through to the to the Murches inside and Donald Smith inside and uh, the Met Galway looked kind of I suppose ordinary defensively when they were allowed so much room on the ball um, so that would be a little bit of disappointment for Galway then you know up front Galway had the breeze and there was a couple of times there where Galway were looking to play the ball inside to Comer or maybe even Burke and when they decided then not to play it in the last second they took the shot on so it was kind of you know it looked like a shot on goal but it was a lot of hesitation you know they didn't know whether to try and pass it in or take the shot and it didn't come off at all in the first half and you know for Eamon Brannigan to have three wides Johnny Heaney not really to have a shot on goal uh, in one way it's positive for Galway because our half forward line were the best players against um, were the best players against Sligo and then you know Yesterday, you had the full forward line who were the stars on the scoreboard. So that is a positive for Galway in that they're not relying on one player. They're not replying, relying solely on Damien Comer to get all the scores, or Ian Burke, or Shane Walsh. You know, they can mix and match it, and that is something they have to take confidence with going forward, that they're not relying on, on, um, on two individuals out of six to score. They have scores, um, and, you know, I, people can be negative about them. They're winning. No one wants perfect performance um, at this stage of the year. You know, you just want to keep chipping away, stay in the competition, 
it's all about keep producing it, get over the line and, and be there the next day and that's what, they, that's what they're doing at the moment. Okay, as you said, they're not relying on one player, but we should still give credit to one player in particular from uh, yesterday. Shane Walsh, eight points in championship football, some going. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, you know, and I was personally delighted his club made me on. So it was great to see him, um, you know, produce what we all know he can do consistently well over, over the game. And, uh, you know, the points were fantastic, um, you know, right and left. Um, it was interesting. All the frees that were scored yesterday were all by, uh, all with left foot. Um, Shane and obviously Jeremy Murphy with the left foot, and uh, no right-footed free kick scored yesterday, which was a, a strange thing uh, in a match in a Gaelic football match. But Shane stood up to the plate. He tackled back. He made some brilliant runs. He passed the ball inside well at, at most of the time. I think he had only two shots that really weren't up to his standards. One in the first half, it looked like it was a goal shot, but you know it wasn't a good goal shot, and he had a wide in the second half. Uh, but the most pleasing thing was, you know, in the end, the couple of frees that he got, and he could have went for glory. He didn't, you know, he played the ball around, and he showed great maturity and game management, and we ended up getting two good points out of them. So uh, very, very pleasing for Shane, and, um, you know, his form. Um, is consistent, which is what we want from Shane Walsh. We want a consistent performance every day rather than scoring 12, 13 points one day and nothing the next day. Okay, well, a Connacht title secured. First team as well, too, into the uh, Super 8s. Where will this summer end for Galway, John? Well, I mean, the, the goal has to be to reach a semi-final. That's the only thing they can aim for now at the moment. And they have three games to qualify for a semi-final. Um, you know, in theory... They can win one game and make the semi-finals. Um, more realistically, they'll need to win two out of their three games. Is it achievable? It is. Um, I mean, they won't fear um, any of the monster champions, whoever it is. They won't fear Kerry or Cork. Um, they won't fear the runners-up um, from Leinster or the qualifiers or the runners-up from Ulster, the qualifier winners. So it really is in their grasps. Um, I suppose it depends on who they get at home. That is the big thing. Um, so I haven't looked that far ahead who, who, who they're going to be playing at home but it's very achievable it's very very achievable and um, it should be really you know they're, they're back to their clubs this week and I'm sure once Kevin pulls them in next week that will be the that will be the new goal uh, to put in three consistent performances and ultimately try and at least get two victories to secure a semi-final spot and that's it from this edition of Paper Talk. Our thanks, as always, to our guests, Kieran Shannon, and to John Divley, and also to Larry Ryan, who produced today's podcast. Don't forget, you can check in with us, uh, same time, same place. Next week, we're available on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on irishexaminer.com forward slash paper talk. A glossary of GAA terms. Today's term, pull hard. He's no relation. Hey, hang on. Your father wasn't a third cousin once removed of my mother, was he? No? Grandson! Vigorous ground hurling made possible by no familial bond. For the very definition in evocative GAA coverage, read the Irish Examiner's team of experts for insights and precise analysis on all this weekend's action. Only in this Monday's Irish Examiner. We define the games that define your summer. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.